a gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry. 1.37 in the afternoon here at KSL News Radio. This is episode number 110. Question for you. Have you downloaded the Healthy Together app? You know, that's the one that Governor Gary Herbert, along with others, introduced. The way it works is you enter in some information about yourself. It asks you about your symptoms uh, relating to the coronavirus. Ultimately, the goal of this app is to use your location information to uh, aid in the effort of contact tracing. You hear state epidemiologist Dr. Angela Dunn talk so much about the importance of contact Tracing. That's the investigative work undertaken by certain medical officials uh, assigned to the various task forces and strike forces, as Dr. Dunn calls them, to track, to backtrack the spread of the disease, to find out uh, where it originated and how it's moving through our population. Now, that requires that you make available to the government certain bits of information about your uh, movements, about your health, about yourself. And that is something that you ought to be mindful of. Uh, It ought to be a deliberate decision that you make. Here is uh, Governor Gary Herbert talking about some of the privacy concerns associated with this Healthy Together app. They're concerned, uh, Big Brother watching their every movement. I understand that concern and that fear. Uh, So I don't know if we can ever appease everybody. That's why it's voluntary. I got a text message the other day from uh, a friend of mine, Connor Boyack. I've followed his career for a long time from afar. I've seen uh, the Libertas Institute become a very influential organization. And he said that he has identified a problem and he has a, a solution in mind regarding privacy and the protection of such. Uh, Connor, how are you doing? Hey, I'm well, Lee. Thanks for having me on. No, it's my pleasure. I want to do something. I want to jump to the absolute last sentence of the last paragraph of the second and last part of your proposal and define a phrase that you use, and it is scope creep. Scope creep. Tell me about scope creep and why you feel it is a danger, something that we ought to watch watch out for. That's actually a great question. So scope creep obviously is this concept where kind of the agreement that you start out at of here's what we're going to do, here's the plan, but over time that plan evolves and becomes something else entirely that you didn't originally set out to uh, to do or consent to. This is the main problem with privacy basically across the country, certainly here in Utah. I'll give you one example. Last fall, we, the public, learned that our driver license photos, we go into the DMV, we get the ugly picture, it's on our ID. We think that's for identification purposes for, you know, when we're pulled over uh, and so forth. We learned last fall that our government in Utah had been using our photos 
for over a decade by that point for doing facial recognition, kind of AI search facial recognition multiple times a day, everyone in Utah. This was never intended. Drivers were never told that, hey, as a condition of driving, the government's going to use you as kind of a facial recognition guinea pig. I surely never Uh, checked that box. Yeah, these these are the problems with scope creep and technology where – uh, we, we think technology is one thing. We think we're just on social media sharing photos, and we don't realize that, oh, there's a company called Clearview that actually downloads uh, in bulk all of these photos off of people's public social media feeds, scrapes them, turns them into scraping and meaning uh, accesses them, mm-hmm. runs their uh, artificial intelligence algorithm over it, and turns it into a facial recognition database for government and is now selling that software to government. No one intended that when I uploaded a photo of you know me and my grandma's birthday that I would become a data point in this database. There's so many examples like this, and that is the fundamental problem, is that the relationship between individuals and their government is changing as a result of technology. And if we don't have a process in place to provide oversight and transparency and really talk these things through, then what's going to happen is what's already been happening. The government will continue to acquire and use these new technologies. We won't have oversight. How can you really have, at the end of the day, the consent of the governed, which is what our government is predicated on, if the governed don't even know what's going on? You can't consent to these technologies and this relationship if you don't know what's happening. So that's why we think the process like the one we've proposed is important to impose some transparency on this you know, technological scope creep. Give, give us the, the nuts and bolts of your solution. It, uh, if I'm honest, involves uh, an element I'm surprised to see uh, from you and your organization, and it is essentially the creation of uh, a new officer at the state level. Tell me about that, please. Yeah, we're holding our nose, uh, plugging our nose a bit to grow the bureaucracy. <laughs> the, the idea here is that there needs to be kind of an ombudsman. We have a property rights ombudsman in Utah already, and they do some important work. We have a, a grandma, a kind of an open records request ombudsman, someone to kind of watchdog these things and run point on these things. So as it pertains to privacy, we think it's time to have a state-level officer whose sole responsibility it is to develop guidelines, train other government employees, be that watchdog from the auditor's office who can go out and say, you're doing it wrong, this is a problem, we need, we're going to bring a little transparency. He would be or she would be supported by a kind of oversight committee of, of tech experts, privacy, constitutional law, law enforcement folks who can get together and review these things and say, okay, you know, this government agency wants to buy uh, this technology or they're using this tool. Is this appropriately striking the balance between privacy and security? The public would be able to weigh in. We'd figure out a process whereby people could kind of share their views. And then this group could then talk to the legislature and say, hey, we've analyzed, you know, Banjo, which has been in the news uh, quite recently, a Utah company that's kind of facilitating surveillance. And, hey, we review them, and here's what we found. And then the legislature could take that up and do what they want with it. Yeah. Uh, I just have about 90 seconds left to chat with you. I have two uh, questions. Uh, this whole deal, your proposal, would be a, a position appointed by the auditor, current state auditor, John Dougal. Uh, have you run this by Frugal Dougal yet? What does he say? Frugal Dougal's on board. We've been talking with him behind the scenes, and this cool. has his input along the way. And how about uh, a legislator to, to partner up with? This will require legislative action. You got someone recruited yet? 
Yep. Uh, Representative Francis Gibson will be sponsoring it, the House Majority Leader. He's been very concerned about these issues, and I've had a number of legislators reaching out saying they want to help. So I think this is something that there's a lot of appetite for. Connor, thanks for your time. Interesting proposal. If uh, folks listen and want to read through the proposal, make your way over to my Facebook page. I have included a link to both the problem and the solution presented here by Connor Boyack of the Libertas Institute. Thank you for your time, sir. Thanks again, Lee. All right, a quick break. When we come back, we're speaking to Dr. Stephen Mobley. We're going to talk about, number one, the president taking hydroxychloroquine daily. Number two, how effective are the tests that are being administered to identify those who may be infected with the coronavirus? And three, how do we protect the elderly? That's ahead on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry, and this is KSL News Radio.